Hi, I'm Jeannie Patel-Thompson from Listen to Your Gut, and joining me are Dr. Hal Gunn and Dr. Sharin Kalyan from Q Biologics, and we're here to talk about a very cool, I don't even know what to call it, you guys, a therapy, I guess, um, a treatment protocol that they've come up with. It's a really novel way of treating autoimmune diseases such as Crohn's. Uh, which is kind of why we're doing this call um, for my huge viewership that is struggling with Crohn's disease. And I like this one because it's really sciencey, but it's actually a natural treatment. So it's kind of really cool the way we're kind of bringing the two together, which actually, Sharin, in light of your background, coming from generations of medicine women, and now you're this hardcore scientist, but you're actually still merging the the traditional medicines of, of the world with all your new science. So why don't you guys start by telling us um, what you're do how, how does your therapy work to address this, um, what some people are perceiving as the hyperactivity of the immune system, other people are calling, well, no, there actually is a pathogen and the body is attacking it and it's something like mycobacterium that hides inside the cell wall and like, there's still a number of, of good working theories. Um, why don't you talk about what you're doing and the approach you're taking? Right. Well, thanks for having us uh, on, Jeannie. Much appreciated. Trin, do you want to begin, or would you like me to? Um, I can I can first speak a little bit to how uh, Crohn's disease is. You had mentioned is often characterized as an autoimmune disorder, but I think a lot of the evidence from a genetic as well as when we're looking at the pathophysiology of the disease, it is actually a lack of immune resilience. So mm. it's a loss of barrier function and the immune response, your, your immune re uh, system is actually trying to protect the body from this leaky gut. You have stuff coming in from your gut lumen that you know is going across a barrier which normally would be a much more uh, restrictive in nature. And it's just doing its job in trying to keep these organisms on the on the right side of the border, if you will. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and so what what we're doing is actually restoring innate immune function. A lot of the treatment, in fact, all of the treatments that are currently used as standard of care for Crohn's disease is actually suppressing immune function in patients. Yes. And that's dealing with the symptoms of the disease, but not really getting to the heart of what the problem is. And uh, actually, Hal, you know, had brought to, um, he developed uh, the, the platform that we're using originally for cancer. And it, what, is, what is interesting about cancer, it suppresses the body's ability to recognize that something is wrong and deal effectively with it. And, um, and he recognized from his clinical work, and which has been recognized previously, that acute inflammation in response to an acute infection actually leads to spontaneous tumor regression. And this is because in order for cancer to thrive, the immune system has to be put to sleep in order for it not to be recognized as a problem. We undergo a number of mutations uh, over our, our lifetime, and the only ones that can become malignant are those that escape recognition by your immune system. So being immunocompromised actually puts one at higher risk of developing cancer. And, um, and it was sort of serendipitous that we recognized that the same way of reprogramming the innate immune system actually helps patients with Crohn's disease and IBD 
to rebuild that barrier function by retraining the innate immune system to deal more effectively with pathology. So how did you give the story and the background on, on how um, we came to use SSIs? I'm just going to jump sure. in here because I love your use of the term immune resilience. I'm probably going to steal that from you, just a little forewarning. Take it just, forward, man. <laughs> you know, when I first published Listen to Your Gut back in the year 2000, and this was when everybody was saying Crohn's was an autoimmune disease, nobody was looking at the fact that it could be infectious and the body could actually be dealing, like you said, with antigens and with pathogens. And I, I would say to people, because I'd heal myself of it, and I would say, I couldn't call something an immune booster because nobody would, they'd be like, no, no, you can't boost the immune system. You have to, you know, suppress the immune system. So I called them immune strengtheners to go, no, no, the immune system is about a balance. But I love your word even better. It's about a resilience. And so we're looking at how do we make that system more resilient because we're not going to stop the environmental and, and emotional and other challenges from coming to our organism. But we can, if we can increase resilience, then we can, you know, can roll with it. We can like, okay, I'm having toxic gas exposure. Okay, I'm going to metabolize that. I'm going to, my body's going to flush it. It's going to cleanse. It's gonna, we're going to rebalance. We're, so I, I just wanted to point out that I love, love that term. So. Okay, on Hal, Hal is super recognized. I don't know, may, probably internationally, but I know for sure here in Canada and Vancouver as one of the pioneers of integrative cancer care therapy. So um, it's fantastic that we've had you kind of branch out into all these other areas to share your brilliance and your gifts. Well, thank you, Jeannie. You know, the principles, uh, the principles of integrative medicine really are returning the immune system to balance and uh, improving resilience. And those same principles can be applied across a wide range of diseases. Uh, you had mentioned that Crohn's disease is often referred to as uh, autoimmune disease. And the classic definition of that is the immune system attacking its own self. Yeah. Um, but that actually isn't happening in Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. The immune there is an overreactive adaptive immune system, but it's reacting to uh, bacterial pathogens. Mm -hmm. And when we think about the characteristics of Crohn's disease, there's three broad uh, characteristics. One is there is an overreactive adaptive immune system, and current treatments treat the disease by suppressing that overreaction. But that's really the end result of the disease, it's not the underlying cause of the disease, and not surprisingly, uh, Crohn's disease is currently considered a lifelong disease because you have to continually to continue to suppress that overreactive adaptive immune system. But there's two other very important components in Crohn's disease. One is uh, what's called dysbiosis, or in other terms, chronic uh, bacterial infection with pathogenic bacteria. And the third component is a suppressed innate immune system. And the way that we understand the treatment of the disease is that the innate immune system is suppressed. So the innate immune system is a different part of the, the immune system than the adaptive immune system. Mm. But the genetics suggests that the underlying issues in Crohn's disease are a suppressed or dysregulated innate immune system. 
And because the innate immune system is meant to clear bacterial infection, if the innate immune system isn't working properly, you can get bacterial infection and dysbiosis. And then the adaptive immune system reacts against that, creating further inflammation and further damage that suppresses the innate immune system. Chronic inflammation suppresses the innate immune system so it can't do its job properly. And so uh, what we think is happening is current treatments are treating the end result of the disease, which is the overreactive adaptive immune system. But if we restore innate immune function, it allows the innate immune system to clear bacterial infection, and then there's nothing left for the adaptive immune overreaction. So we think by treating the disease in this different way, that we would have the potential of creating sustained remission or or cure in Crohn's disease off of medication by returning the immune function uh, and balance to normal rather than just simply suppressing immune function. And what is the method that you are have come up with and that you're in clinical trials to test to see number one how effective it is and number two do do is there a patient with a certain profile that responds better to this method of treatment than others? Sharon had mentioned that acute infection can activate the innate immune system. The best way to restore innate immunity is through acute infection. But acute infection can potentially be life-threatening. So we don't want to create acute infection, but we can simulate acute infection by giving uh, an inactivated bacteria, so it's really just, in a sense, a natural health product, injecting it just under the skin so that it's simple and easy to self-administer by patients. It's perceived as an infection and it targets the recruitment of innate immune cells to the organ or tissue in which that bacteria typically causes infection. So uh, to treat Crohn's disease, we make our immunotherapy from inactivated E. coli, E. coli being a common cause of infection in the GI tract. It's inactivated, so it can't cause infection, and all human beings would be exposed to E. coli. So if we inject it just underneath the skin, we get a targeted recruitment of innate immune cells to the GI tract, restoring innate immunity in Crohn's disease, clearing bacterial infection and dysbiosis, restoring the barrier function that Sharin talked about, and returning uh, immune system to health. That's the design of our treatment. That's the intention of how our treatment is intended to work. And does it need to be injected under the skin on the abdomen? Like, do you actually physically put it in the region? It uh, it can be injected anywhere underneath the skin uh, because it's then carried by our immune cells around the body, but it's only in the GI tract that's seen E. coli before that this uh, immune response is activated. And because it's not a live bacteria, it can't cause infection. It's the, the treatment is really just inactivated E. coli, so it's it's essentially a natural health product, Um, but it's injected just under the skin, so it's 
treated like from the regulatory perspective like a drug um, uh, and it creates this targeted recruitment of innate immune cells to the GI tract to restore innate immune function in Crohn's disease. That's actually the, the biggest contribution that Q Science has, has figured out, that there is this site specificity, that your immune system is a lot more sophisticated um, than what we had given it credit for before. And it knows how to, it's like resource management, if it sees E. coli in your blood, you're like, oh, where is the leaf coming from? And it directs the army to the site where it's most likely uh, the infection would be occurring. Because that's its job, it says, where, where is most of this found? We have to like stop the, the, the flow of this that we're detecting in the blood. That's why it has to be delivered in this manner. You can't take it orally or in another way where it's not perceived as a, as a life-threatening <laughs> thing to your immune system. You're sort of psyching it out and it is going dealing with the issue um, by recruiting newly trained army that is ready to actually fight a battle. It's the, the nature of those cells that are coming out that we're activated are very different from what is normally in, a, in, an, in an unalarmed immune system um, in circulation. So the programming of the innate immune system is changed and that's why those cells are so effective in dealing with the problem in the gut. Um, but because of it's an innate, it's not, it's not an, a vaccine for, an, for the adaptive immune system where you give it once and it's done. Uh, we give it every other day until the pathology is cleared. And, uh, and so our current trial is actually looking at the mucosal healing aspect of this treatment, uh, which we did not uh, look at in our previous trials, which was just uh, accepted for publication in a peer-reviewed journal in the out soon. And that was a randomized control trial, but what we needed to fill in the gap was to really show mucosal healing, because we know that the, the treatment is effective in, in people with Crohn's disease in, in terms of dealing with symptom management. Um, but we want to demonstrate that it's actually healing the gut and a lot of the current treatment actually have very poor record of demonstrating that. I think I was talking about the fact that this trial will be looking at um, mucosal healing yes. um, in the gut and, uh, and current treatments actually have not had a very good record of demonstrating substantial improvement um, at the physiological level in the gut. And, and we're hoping we, we would be able to show that this treatment, because we're actually restoring um, the, the uh, innate immune system and, and improving the uh, actual um, the etiology of the disease, that we can demonstrate that uh, patients with Crohn's disease that are treated in this manner actually have um, healed their, their intestines and their guts. So, which would be a, a big move. It would be transformative, I think, for, for the treatment of the disease. It, it really would because this is the thing that, you know, it's really hard for me to communicate to my readers when they're, they're trying to wean off the drug therapy and switch to the natural healing methods. But of course, there's all the fear and that if, you know, if you take the steroids or you, you know, the Humira or whatever is working for you, you feel better. And it's really hard to communicate this idea to them like, yeah, it's called symptom suppression. You're feeling better. You have more energy. You can, but at what's actually happening with your gut is your condition is deepening and worsening. And so when you finally make the decision to wean off those slowly and incorporate more and more and actually get to the root level healing of your body, 
you are going to feel a lot worse. It's gonna, you're gonna feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going back into a flare. No, you're not. It's just that what's already there is now being allowed to become felt or evidenced. And the other interesting part of this is I had spoke with um, a doctor, he was actually a cardiologist with an additional um, master's in emergency medicine. So he'd run hospitals. His daughter got colitis. And so that's what made him then dive into the research. And he actually um, died in the last few years, but about 10 years ago, I had a very interesting conversation with him based on his look at the research. And he said, I think that these immunosuppressant drugs are causing the fistulas, which are the worst, because if you're suppressing it, so it's no longer active up here on the surface, but you're driving it deeper, you're not resolving infection, where's the infection going? Well, it's tunneling. It's tunneling to get another method of, of drainage and access to remove this thing that's trying to kill you out of your body. And so he said, um, you know, in the, the trials that he was able to see where the Crohn's was left alone, there was virtually no occurrence of fistulas. And fistulas, as you know, are the most difficult aspect to heal once you have them they're there and we have some experimental protocols that people are getting some good results with but it's you know it's it's more of this thing of you can't just like you said you can't put a band-aid on it and think that it's just going to stay static and nothing bad is going to happen and it's there is a there is a consequence to suppression and so go ahead. i was just going to say not surprisingly uh, people living with crohn's disease like the idea of restoring their immune function rather than continually suppressing their immune function. Um, I think that what we're doing uh, makes sense at some just basic uh, human understanding of, of the difference between suppressing and restoring. Yeah. We had a very interesting conversation um, 10 days ago with Dr. Anthony Siegel, who is a leading Crohn's disease researcher who has for many years now been studying Crohn's disease as, a, as an immunodeficiency, not an, an immune system uh, overreaction. Mm. Um, and so he feels now that the evidence is overwhelming that, uh, that Crohn's disease is an innate immune immunodeficiency. And he thinks that the field will shift substantially in the next uh, several years with this, this evidence uh, emerging of uh, that the underlying problem in Crohn's disease is uh, suppression and dysregulation of innate immunity. He also expressed uh, the same thing that you just expressed, uh, that treating the disease by suppressing the adaptive immune system um, may potentially be having negative consequences long-term. So he anticipates that there will be a substantial shift in the next several years in relationship to understanding how to optimally treat Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. However, he's been studying the disease for over 40 years, and he, and he since he's hung in there for this long, <laughs> he might have... He, he might just be a really optimistic uh, person because <laughs> I, I do think that there is, if, if we change um, the way we frame the disease, 
that means the way we're treating it now, and there's a huge investment in billions of dollars. Yeah. Yes, especially with the onset of these uh, immunosuppressive biologics. If we're saying now it's immunodeficiency, how much sense does that make? That the way that we frame it as an autoimmune disorder, that means you can take the same drugs that you use for the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis or psoriasis, and then you adapt it for Crohn's disease and, and ulcerative colitis. And I think that there is a pushback uh, against going in that way very rapidly. <laughs> and it won't happen tomorrow, uh, but I think that in the face of evidence that eventually um, people will be able to make that uh, decision for themselves, especially if there's another option available in which right now we, we don't have anything else that is currently being used that has gone through rigorous testing um, that that doctors would feel comfortable in prescribing. But we know... In terms of restoring an infection. Exactly, yeah. So that's the process that we're in right now, and um, we can't claim that our treatment is effective or safe uh, because we have to do large-scale trials before that. The early clinical data is, is promising, uh, both in terms of uh, effectiveness and safety, um, but we need to continue to do additional uh, research. Um, and we have a trial underway right now. Uh, we're 85% enrolled in that trial. We have just a few more spots to fill. Um, and if any of your listeners are interested in uh, learning more about what we're doing and about our trial, we would very much welcome their interest and potential participation in the study. What kind of patient is ideal for this study? Like, who are you looking for? Are you looking for someone with a long history of suppressive drug use, no history? Like, what's your ideal candidate look like? Well, we welcome anybody with any history, uh, but they have to have active disease. Um, and um, meaning that they have to have active symptoms and uh, by endoscopy or, or by, by scope, they have to show that they have uh, active disease. So that's part of the trial protocol and assessment is to do an endoscopy. Patients uh, can't be currently on uh, Remicade or Humira or other uh, strongly immunosuppressive therapies. Uh, some of the current disease therapies they can be on and uh, join the trial. Um, but it, um, we very much welcome anybody who's interested in learning more about our study to, uh, to connect with us. Uh, and uh, so we're, we try to be as inclusive as possible in, yeah. in enrollment in the study. But people do have to have active disease and active symptoms. Uh, and what if they're currently on, uh, you know, one of the strong immunosuppressants, but they're totally willing to wean off it? Does there need to be a period of time they need to be clear before they can enter the study? Uh, 60 days from their last dose. Um, okay. And uh, once that 60-day, what's called a washout period is complete, then they can join uh, the study. Yeah. So interesting. Okay, well, we will put this out on all the social media and see if there's, you know, a few other people who are like, yeah. And so how does that work in logistically? Like, let's say they live in Europe or they live in 
the United States, you guys are in Vancouver, Canada. How do they participate in the trial? Well, currently in our current, we do, we do plan to expand our study um, into the U.S. and into Europe. Uh, but currently for our current study, our current uh, stage of our study, it's only Canadian residents that uh, can join our current study. So if people are interested, uh, they're welcome to, um, to sign up for our email list in terms of potential future studies and expansion. But any Canadians interested in joining our current trial are very welcome to go to our trial website uh, and fill in our trial questionnaire. Okay. And I believe, like, you fly people to Vancouver and pay for their accommodation and all the logistics. Yeah, we have three sites across Canada uh, at which to fill. So we have one in Ontario, and there are two. One is in, in Vancouver itself, um, a gastrointestinal research institute there, and one in Fraser, uh, in Fraser Health at New West. So uh, we will fly people um, to the closest clinical site um, if they're eligible. Right. Gotcha. Okay, this is very cool. And I just like to point out that, you know, what you're doing is interesting on a couple of points to me. Um, first of all, the, the using the inactivated bacteria to stimulate the, this, you know, innate immune system, it kind of reminds me of the helminth therapy, you know, injecting people with the pig worms to go, let's give you some, let's give this immune system something to focus on. <laughs> And people have had a lot of success with that. Um, but again, those are live worms. So that's, yeah. that's, a, that's different, a big level of commitment there. <laughs> that's a different feeling. Um, yeah. And then the other interesting thing about this is that immediately comes to my mind is that when I discovered very early on in my own healing journey, if I tried to ingest any live oral bacteria, it triggered my, it was not good. It did not, it did not have a beneficial effect. And so I went into the literature looking for why and found evidence in gastroenterology journals that saying inactive disease states of colitis and Crohn's, the body loses tolerance for all bacteria, its own and foreign source ingested. But again, we're talking about live bacteria that's triggering. So when people start on, we say you absolutely have to use probiotics to as part of that resolution of the gut dysbiosis, but you have to start with like a tiny pinch because the body takes time to learn, oh, this one's not something I need to attack. This one's helpful. And you have to really work with the body. And for some people, it can take them six months, just a tiny, tiny, like a pinch at a time, eighth of a teaspoon ramp up on the probiotic dosing. So it's fascinating to me that with your therapy, um, you're using a very potent bacteria, but because it's inactivated and dead, it's, it's bypassing that um, initial rejection and it's actually stimulating the innate immune response. So, and, and the real important piece here is that whatever people do, for example, you, you help people restore in a natural way um, to different means, both the mind-body means, as well as uh, by taking certain supplements, how to strengthen that immune system. And you know, when you're trying that using a treatment that suppresses immune function, it doesn't really, it doesn't really 
uh, work to its full advantage in that context because it's not really supporting that system. But in this case, because we are trying to bring the immune system to an, into a point where it's healthy again, that all these you know taking your vitamin D and you know stress management and everything else actually helps the product work better and well, would help in the in, in becoming better on this type of treatment because those are sort of adjunct things that people do around their lifestyle that would actually support recovery um, because you're taking care of the body as a whole, right? And so those those kind of um, supportive systems are actually helpful in our context um, as opposed to when you're just dealing with symptom management. So when someone is actually in your trial, are they allowed to take these immune supportive substances like vitamin D or aloe vera or whatever the herbs that they're on, are those allowed or do they need to be clean off of everything? They're allowed to continue whatever they've been on uh, from a supplement perspective. That's awesome. Okay, that's really key. We don't want people to be changing them during the trial because we want to make sure that what's happening is related to our treatment. But whatever they're on, uh, they can stay on. Okay, that's fantastic. And I, again, I just keep coming back to this concept of resilience because, again, Shirin, you mentioned like also the mind-body healing piece. You know, when I think from what I've discovered and, and hundreds of readers that I've talked to, people who immune system is, is working in this way will almost always in somewhere in their psyche, in their emotional body is a fundamental feeling that I am not safe and the world is not a safe place. And so for the immune system to, to become resilient, that piece has to be addressed through a mind-body therapy, through, you know, things that, you know, like EFT tapping, hypnotherapy, craniosacral, things that actually integrate with the mind and the cells and the tissues of the body. And then I was listening to an audio with Dr. Norm Sheely, another pioneering cancer uh, doctor, and he was talking about his experiments with DHEA. So he says um, DHEA, he's found that is an absolute 100% indicator of whether there is any disease or soon to be disease in the body. And he can tell that by looking just at the person's DHEA level. So he's that, so then along with that, he does, he's been testing his own DHEA all the time. So in this audio, he was saying, so I tested my DHEA that morning. And then in the afternoon, I, I got mad. I had a little temper tantrum with my staff because they kept stacking these boxes behind the couch, which I told them not to repeatedly. He goes, and now not only did they continue, but they were rising up above the couch. He said, so I had a five minute temper tantrum. He goes, and then I went afterwards, I thought, wait a minute. And he went and he tested his DHEA. It had dropped 50 points from a five minute temper tantrum. So what he's, he's documenting is the, the biochemical, biological markers of our emotional, um, philosophical state having such an incredible effect on things like the immune system, on the endocrine system, which of course interfaces with the immune system because everything is linked. And so it's, it's just a really, a much more holistic, much more, um, you know, rather than just this totally simplistic of just put a band-aid on it, just cut it out, just forget about the root cause, forget about why you're here in the first place, just, you know, 
So I love that what you're doing just slots really in with that. And I love the, the amalgamation of, you know, you're kind of taking the best of both worlds because you both have come from a very integrative, holistic kind of mindset and background and how you and your practice have been working that way for decades. And then you're kind of looking at this super kind of advanced sciencey way of playing with the natural world and saying, well, how can we, because our world is so unnatural now, right? Like, <laughs> er, like look around us, it's, there's so much that's unnatural. So uh, this is what's kind of coming to me is like, like all these pieces and all these threads and saying, well, let's, let's play with them. Let's see how we can weave them back together into wholeness and, and re-educating the body back into that state and supporting it. Um, and I think it's very important for us to actually come from a purely, because the way we treat disease, the medicalization of it, it is very important that we play and stay within the confines of, you know, the, the scientific evidence and being that puritanical kind of approach to the way we're providing the evidence, because it's so easy for, uh, for us to dismiss natural therapies you can see the the arguments currently being in, in the news with the natural health products you know what kind of evidence do they need so because if you want to uh, have a treatment being prescribed to people for their illness we really need to bring the same level of evidence um, as drug treatments for it to be accepted and that's why i think um, our background is, is actually uh, very useful in this context where you know i i was trained as, as a scientist in experimental medicine, I'm an immunologist, but I was complete, I was raised in a, in a in family and environment where I understood that whole, you know, the integrative approach to health and how it's not just, you know, we don't, we're very reactionary in our, in our treatment of disease. You know, we don't do anything to try to prevent it. <laughs> we'll wait yeah. till you're like, you know, at the end and then we'll try to bring in a hammer to, yeah. to fix it. And it's not very wise and it's not healthy overall the way we're approaching it. And I think we both appreciate that at a deeper level, but we recognize the evidence we need to bring to the table to have this actually uh, be a, a viable option for patients with Crohn's disease. And it's a long haul, but you know, we, that's why we're, we're, um, really you know, taking the, the route that uh, we need to to get this uh, to the, into the clinic and, and used by doctors uh, as fast as possible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, final question. Any evidence of collateral damage? Because this is the big problem with drug therapy. Yeah, it does this, but it also does this, this, and this, which probably are worse than whatever it's helping. So what is happening to these inactivated bacteria? Like I, I, my mind immediately goes to the vaccination debate, right? And the problem is that you're, you know, because you're attempting to trick the immune system, there's actually a negative consequence to that. And you're actually taking up a lot of the immune system's resources. And so what have you seen coming out of, you know, what actually happens to this inactivated bacteria in the body? after the job of stimulating the innate immune system is done? The, uh, the challenges with most drugs is that they're blocking a specific receptor or pathway, and that pathway has important purpose elsewhere in the body, so you're going to get side effects when you block that pathway. Mm. Uh, the second challenge with current drug development is that there are dozens of pathways involved in immune function and in disease. 
if you block just one of those pathways, you're not going to get optimal uh, restoration. And um, the way that we're treating the disease is very different. We're activating a mechanism that evolved over tens of millions of years to be effective and safe, to restore innate immune function in a targeted organ. What we've shown in our animal studies, if there's no disease in the targeted organ, then that response is muted. If there's disease in the targeted organ, then we get an increased response to help clear that disease. Mm. But we don't force the immune system past normal. Uh, the goal of our treatment is to return their immune system to normal. Unlike uh, uh, Humira or Remicade that can force the immune system too far, you end up getting immunosuppression and uh, potentially life-threatening infections or increased development of cancer. So to date, our safety profile has been very good. We can't claim yet that our treatment is safe. We'd have to treat thousands of patients before we can make that claim. Mm -hmm. But to date, so the safety profile has been very good. As you'd expect with really just a uh, what is essentially a natural health product, um, used to activate uh, the immune system. The innate immune system isn't as easily fooled as the adaptive immune system. So the adaptive immune system vaccines are just antigens or multiple antigens that only activate part of the immune system. Our treatment is a whole bacteria inactivated that activates mm. the innate immune system. So we think that it's it, it, it much more is simulative of a natural infection than uh, vaccination. Right. Very interesting. It's, it's very much, um, as, as you may have heard of the hygiene hypothesis, in which mm. we're not stimulated to the same extent um, in our natural environment because of the sterility and because of antibiotics and vaccination, and, and there are less we're not exposed, or our immune systems are not exercised sufficiently to have them toned and have that resiliency. Um, so what we're doing is actually providing, in a way, an antidote to that um, by giving it the simulation that it would have had evolutionarily been exposed to, to not have um, have atrophied or not have that sort of strength or, or buffness to it to mm -hmm. deal with the, the burden that it, it's required to, to deal with. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's part of the challenge. If you look at the the people who do get IBD, they often come from environments where that stimulation would be much, much higher in the natural environment. But because they're raised in, a, um, in an environment where they're not exposed to the same level. A sterile environment. Yeah, that, uh, that they're more likely to develop it because the genetic variance of that uh, person would have evolved to require a greater dose of stimulation to have the same kind of um, muscle um, than it currently has in the environment in which it lives. So, If you grew up in India, your chances of getting Crohn's disease are <laughs> it's very uncommon in, in India. But if, you're, uh, if you move from India to Canada uh, and have children, your children are at the same risk as Canadians of getting, as, as other Canadians of getting um, uh, Crohn's disease. So it, 
it, it, it's very interesting in that, you know, 80 years ago, Crohn's disease mm -hmm. was very uncommon before yes. the advent of, of, of uh, widespread vaccination and improved hygiene. Mm -hmm. So nowadays, particularly in, in countries that have incorporated improved hygiene and vaccination, uh, the incidence of Crohn's disease is substantially increased. So we think we have discovered the underlying mechanism of the hygiene hypothesis, and we can restore innate immune function, not by causing infection, because that's life-threatening, but by simulating infection to restore innate immune function in targeted organs. Yeah, and then it's up to people to use things like therapeutic level probiotics, you know, have as many animals as you can, <laughs> you know, let them get as close to you as they can. Like I have two dogs and three cats and 11 horses and like I'm out <laughs> with my horses and I'm doing manure and I'm picking up their feet and I'm touching every part of their body and then I don't wash my hands before I eat. And oftentimes I'm, I'm like, Sharin, I got my thing of nuts in my truck. I'm driving home. I'm eating my nuts. And I was like, my hands are covered in stuff. I do that on purpose. For my three kids, I gave them all, you know, therapeutic level probiotics, but I also did not make them wash their hands before dinner. If something fell on the floor, I'd be like, oh, blow it off. No hair. Go ahead and eat it. Like I purposely did things with them to encourage this more natural immune system that humans have evolved with for like millions yeah, exactly. of years. Exactly. Yeah. When you grow up on a farm, you're much less likely to get allergies and immune-related disease. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so thank you guys so much. This thank is you. super exciting what you're doing, and uh, I hope you get your last few people so this next phase can go through. And um, yeah, we'll just send everybody over to your website and and hopefully some people have a lot better understanding of what you're doing now, which helps them make a decision about whether they'd like to be a part of it. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny. It was great talking to you again. You too, hon.